This is 20 Pages a Week, where together you and I will read all the way through the Bible in a year. I am Hal Hammonds, and I'm here to help. I'll supply one story that grabbed my attention, one verse I found particularly interesting, and one word I couldn't get out of my mind. The rest is up to you. This is Quarter 1, Lesson 10. The reading is 1 Kings. We'll start with my first impressions. Do you ever get the idea that we just can't handle good news? Prosperity seems to work against us rather than in our favor. Shouldn't be that way, but it certainly was that way with the nation of Israel in times past. We saw it in 1 Samuel in the life of Saul. Saul was given a kingdom, he couldn't hold it. We saw it in 2 Samuel with David. David was blessed beyond measure, and still we spend half the book talking about the mistakes he made. There's probably no bigger fall from grace story in the entire Bible than Solomon. Solomon was given everything. And the one thing that he was told to do to maintain all of those things is exactly what he did not do. His foreign wives took him away from the one true God. He began worshiping idols. And as a result, his kingdom was taken away from him. Not in his own lifetime, of course, but in the lifetime of his son. Later in the book, we see Asa going through the same problems. We'll see it in 2 Kings also. We need to determine not just to acquire the things of God, the blessings of God, the good news that God has for us through Jesus Christ, but also do what we have to do to maintain it. Falling from grace is a thing. We need to remember that. It's going to get to be a bit of a broken record, me saying, well, there's so many stories to choose from. That's certainly the case, though, in 1 Kings. I'm going to bring your attention to a story about two men, Jeroboam and Abijah. Jeroboam is a rising star in Solomon's court when we run to him first. And Abijah the prophet approaches him and says, you're going to receive the kingdom. He's going to be the king of Israel, most of it anyway. The tribe of Judah, of course, is going to maintain allegiance to the line of David and in so doing, prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah eventually. But after the split, the northern kingdom, the majority of the tribes, is going to be referred to as Israel. In most senses of the word, Jeroboam is going to win this battle. He's going to have the majority, maybe not the vast majority, but the larger portion, certainly, of the kingdom. He didn't ask for it. He didn't earn it. God gives it to him. And as we already indicated in the first segment, we have a difficulty with prosperity sometimes. Jeroboam, in his efforts to hold on to the kingdom, does exactly what he has to do to lose the kingdom. And we know the story probably about the unnamed prophet coming and prophesying to him about this great King Josiah who's going to come and desecrate these altars that Jeroboam has built, telling him that his line is going to fail. And of course it it does in the next generation. Abijah comes back at the end of the story. In chapter 14, Jeroboam's son is dying. And because in his heart of hearts, he knows that the one true God of heaven is the one that can give him true solace, true consolation. He sends his wife in disguise to Abijah to see if perhaps his son might live. And of course, Abijah, inspired by God, sees through all this mess of Jeroboam's and says, no, your son's going to die because of your rebellion, because God gave you everything and you refuse to honor the God who gave it to you. It's a recreation of the David story. David, if you remember, fell away from God's plan, especially with regard to Bathsheba. And as a result, he lost a child. 
maybe even more than that, it's a recreation of the Saul story. Saul was given the kingdom out of nowhere, didn't earn it, didn't ask for it, and maybe showed some signs of success early on, but proved very quickly he was not God's man. And Abijah gets to play the part of Samuel here, the one who was absolutely a supporter of the king at first and absolutely crushed that the king turned out to be unworthy of that support. But really, in a greater sense, it's Israel's story, isn't it? Right down to the golden calves. Israel is brought out of Egypt, given this glorious state, this glorious future, and the nation's just not worthy of it, choosing to reject the true worship of God in preference to their own vision of what God ought to be, what God could be. We need to make sure that Jeroboam's story doesn't become our story too. We also can receive this amazing gift from God and reject him, rebel against him, prove ourselves unworthy of this by playing the part of David, learning from our mistakes, growing, staying true to God's word in the end. We can avoid the mistakes and ultimately the punishment that comes to Jeroboam and his family. I always want to find one verse that really sums up everything, that really encapsulates the entire reading. Practically speaking, that doesn't really work most of the time. Sometimes I just fall back on a verse that is particularly noteworthy in its own right. I was looking at chapter 18, verse 17. We read, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? I find this relationship between Ahab and Elijah fascinating. And we really can't study First Kings without commenting on it a little bit. Elijah, of course, is the one who pronounced doom upon the nation. Back in chapter 17, the first few verses, there's not going to be any rain. And God jumps when Elijah says jump, it would almost appear. It's no surprise then that Ahab sees Elijah as being the problem. If Elijah would just get with the program, and more to the point, get God to come and get with the program, then everything would be fine. But Elijah won't play ball with Ahab. He rejects Ahab's lifestyle. He rejects the influence of Jezebel, worship the Lord God of heaven and him alone. The enemies of God's people have always acted like the people of God were the problem instead of the solution. This is not an unusual story. If we would just go along and get along, if we just do things the way they want us to do them, everything would be fine. And from a short-term perspective, which is their perspective, I suppose that's true. If all that we were concerned about is coexisting here in this life, then maybe the best thing for us to do would just be to keep our mouth shut. But we realize, of course, that there is an eternal perspective that is real whether our neighbors realize it or not. Elijah doesn't want to cooperate with Ahab's plan because he realizes there's a bigger plan. There's God's plan, and Ahab is the one who's the problem. Ahab is the troubler of Israel. Let's not get discouraged if we find ourselves bearing the brunt of the wrath of the people of this world, if we are called the troubler of Israel, if there is a disastrous relationship, someone in your life who is rebelling against God, someone whose lifestyle is an affront to him and because of that, in the front to you. You're the trouble of Israel. You're the problem in the relationship because you won't accept their sinful lifestyle. Take heart in these situations. Don't lose sight of the reality. The problem comes because of sin, 
always, whether it's the nation of Israel, whether it's the nation of the United States of America, whether it's your own personal life, we're not going to trouble the relationship by bringing the light of Jesus Christ into it. We are part of the solution, whether they realize it or not. I suppose the one word needs to be the word king. After all, it's the name of the book and the next book. This is truly a story about the kings, the kings of Israel and Judah. Having a king was part of God's long-term plan, to a certain degree at least. Going all the way back to Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 and 15, Moses spoke of the day when the nation would choose a king for themselves and laid down some rules as to what kind of king they should get. The plan was that this king lead the nation in righteousness, that the king be a bulwark for faith and for hope. We see that in the life of Asa. We see it in the life of Jehoshaphat. To a certain degree, of course, we see it in David and even Solomon. But we also see Rehoboam. We see Jeroboam and basically all of the kings of the northern tribes, of course. The absence of a king is what brought on disaster. We saw back in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, and other passages in Judges also. In those days, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's not good for us to be left by ourselves. We need an authority figure. We need someone strong who has our best interest at heart. Ideally, someone who respects God, who has God's values, who's going to lead us in right paths, whether we're talking about parents, we're talking about elders, we're talking about government officials even. Left to ourselves, anarchy rules, chaos rules, sin rules. But if we don't have the right king, if we don't have the right leadership, then none of it matters. What a blessing it is that ultimately in our relationship with God, our king is beyond reproach. Our king is Jesus. And the more we submit to his rule, his perfect, flawless rule, the better off things are going to be in the kingdom. And truly, the problems that exist in the Lord's kingdom are a direct result of us rebelling against the king. The more we acknowledge his authority, the more we submit to his rule, the more we admire his holiness, his righteousness, the better citizens we become, the more we grow in God's plan for our lives, the better our influence gets among others, and the more prepared we get for the heavenly aspect of the kingdom that is yet to come. What a privilege it is to live in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and what a waste it is if we don't submit to the king. Thanks for listening to 20 Pages a Week. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your stories about your trip through the Bible this year. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Citizen of Heaven. I'll see you next week. We'll be reading 2 Kings. God bless. Keep reading.